All right, good morning. We will get started. We got some kids chomping at the bit in the back, so uh, welcome to worship. Glad you're here with us this day on this uh, Palm Sunday. If you would grab your bulletins, a few announcements as we get started. Yeah, they're fine. You don't have to shush the children. I told them, I told them, the excitement in the back, it's good stuff. It's like Palm Sunday, you know, we like that. That's right. So uh, we have a tear-off portion. If you're a guest, just fill this out, put in the offering plate, uh, and we'll gladly share with you more about Mechanicsville Baptist. On the yellow side is a place for prayer requests. At the bottom, just put a prayer request on there. And when the offering plate comes around, put that in the offering plate, and we'll pray for you on our Tuesdays and staff time. On the back are opportunities for the week. I want to make mention, tonight we do have our encounter service right here at uh, 5 p.m. in the sanctuary. We're going to do a series on discerning God's voice and God's will in our lives, so it's going to be a good time. So I invite you all to come out. And then 6.30 is our Easter cantata over in the FLC, and uh, we'll make sure to have you all come out and enjoy that night. And there's a tasting afterwards, so make sure to bring some salty or some sweet goods to share for the fellowship time that will follow tonight. Uh, tomorrow night is our church council meeting. If you're a chair a, of a ministry team, you are invited and encouraged to come out. We're going to meet in the John Bryant room at 6.30 and uh, have our first church council meeting, and hopefully God will continue to do great things through that group. Uh, Wednesday this week, we have a full lineup of activities, Bible study, Connect Groups, Awana, uh, youth, and our quarterly business meeting will meet right here at 6.15, along with worship choir rehearsal at 7.30. So we have a lot going on on this holy week and a lot to be thankful for. And so we are glad that you're here together as we get to worship our God. I have one announcement. And? Sorry, I didn't get to talk to him ahead of time. Uh, May 8th at Four Mile Creek, Ann Graham Lotz will speak at the WMU uh, meeting. Um, some of you didn't get word of that. The, um, there is a 4 o'clock session and a 7 o'clock session. The sessions will be the same. It'll be a repeat. She's going to preach the same. They're going to do the same things. Uh, they do have dinner between the sessions, but you don't have to go to dinner. But if you're going to dinner, it costs $7, and you need to pay um, Sandra Blackburn for that, okay? And it needs to be done today. Uh, but, again, let me say, you can go to the 4 o'clock session and leave, and you're not going to miss anything at the 7. It's a repeat, so you don't have to eat. Space is very limited. The 4 o'clock session is about full, because uh, so you have to register for the 4 or the 7. Uh, Four Mile Creek holds about 400 people, and they're just about there. And, uh, and less people than that can eat there. So just want to make sure that you knew that so that everybody was aware that she is going to be in the area. You know, it's Billy Graham's daughter. Um, but it is May the 8th, but the deadline is today. And there's a senior adult um, luncheon uh, that we'll talk more about later. You don't have to have that information right now, but it will be at Antioch Baptist Church in Sandston. But this is the one that I need to let you know about. Thank you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It is Palm Sunday. We are going to rejoice. We're going to sing Alleluia. We're going to say Hosanna. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. All right. So it is meet and greet time. You're going to have your hymnals ready to page 221. Have that ready to go. Stand up, greet one another, and then we'll cue you in when it's time to start singing. to sing and as we sing our children will be coming in. from Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 14 for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly righteously and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for being such a great God. I'm so worthy of worship and worthy of praise. We thank you for this Palm Sunday. 
for your uh, triumphal entry. We thank you for our children who came and brought their gifts and their uh, uh, offerings to you this day as well. God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to worship you as a church, to come together and to glorify the name of Jesus. We thank you for redeeming us and for giving us salvation. God, we pray that this service would bring you glory. We thank you for your Holy Spirit being here. And we do pray as we uh, approach Holy Week, we pray for us to be mindful of your great love, of your cross, and of your victory with your resurrection. And may we be uh, ever grateful. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Let us stand and sing number 231, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. Please join us. And if you keep your hymnals open for our responsive reading today, uh, it is responsive reading number 242. It's a little bit tricky. Turn to hymn 241, and it's the one on the right side of that page. So it's responsive reading 242. And I will do the worship leader, and together with Paul, you'll do the worshipers. Page 242. 
For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. For to those who are perishing, the message of the cross is foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is God's power. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And now we turn to 234 in our hymnals, and we'll sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Please stand and join us. Let us pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful morning that we gather here to celebrate your triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Let us all be reflective of the many blessings you have bestowed upon us and the love you have shown in our lives. Be with our missionaries, both here and abroad, that are sharing your word to a world that has not yet come to know you. We offer these ties to you to bring more honor and glory to your name. Amen. spoke a moment ago. The meeting is May 9th, Thursday, May 9th, not May 8th. Uh, I always have people ready to correct me, and I'm glad they do. Uh, May 9th is Courtney's birthday. I should have remembered that. So uh, anyway, but it is Thursday, May 9th, but you still need to see Sandra, wave Sandra, today. Okay, if you want to eat. Oh, well, no, they need to see anyway because they got to register because they only have so many spots, eat or not. Okay. So let's pray. Oh Lord, we are grateful for our time of worship. We're thankful for the praise and adoration that's offered to our Savior. 
particularly as we remember Palm Sunday. Help us, Father, to begin the journey with Jesus to the cross in a very unique way this week. Help us, Father, to remind ourselves each day how much closer our Lord comes to sacrificing himself for us. We're grateful, Father, for this church and for the ministries of this place and for the children who are taught missions, for their willingness to bring their banks this morning so that your word might be shared in North America. We pray, Father, that you will be with those who are not with us today because of illness, because of being bound to their homes, because they are in rehab facilities or nursing homes or wherever they find themselves, Father. We give them to you. And pray, Father, that as we do, that you will minister in their lives to bring healing and hope and encouragement, whatever is needed. Father, we know there are needs in this room right now. We come to this place out of a sense of need. First, our need to worship you. We're asking, Father, that you touch our lives and speak to us as we seek to serve you. We know, Father, that as spring is all around us, and with spring comes the return of green and color and beauty. But help us, Father, to recognize that there are those who are suffering as a result of the loss of those they love. One more season. And so we pray, Father, that as they see hope around them, that they can find hope. We're grateful, Father, for our missionaries here and around the world, for their work, for their witness, for their sacrifice. And we pray, Father, that as we pray for them, that lives might be transformed and touched by their presence as they represent you and your abiding presence in their lives. We're thankful, Father, that we can offer you tonight a service of praise and adoration. The story is never old. The story is always fresh and new. Thank you for giving us voice to sing. We pray, Father, that as we open your word today and contemplate the journey of our Lord, that you will walk with us. In the name of Jesus, amen.
a preview of tonight. Hope you can join us at 6.30 this evening in the Family Life Center where not only will we have the choir, but we also will have an orchestra. So I hope that you can come. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, as we continue the journey with Jesus to the cross. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. And this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Palm Sunday is an easy Christian celebration. That is, it is made up of the right stuff. We like a good show. On this Sunday, Jesus was received the way we think we ought to have been received or the way we think he ought to have been received. Disciples placed their garments on the donkey for a saddle and people spread their coats on the road while others took palm branches to prepare the way of Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem. Not only that, but the crowd shouted, Hosanna, which means save now. This is exactly what we want Jesus to do. Save now. One writer set the stage for this event and those that followed by saying, it's early in the final week. The props and players for Friday's drama are in position. Six-inch spikes are in the bin. A crossbeam leans against a shed wall. Thorn limbs are wrapped around a trellis awaiting the weaving of a soldier's fingers. The participants are near, nearing the stage. Pilate is concerned at the number of Passover pilgrims. Annas and Caiaphas are restless over a volatile Nazarene. Judas views his master with evasive eyes. A centurion is available awaiting the next crucifixions. Players and props. Only this is not a play. It's a divine plan. A plan begun before Adam felt heaven's breath. And now all heaven waits and watches. All eyes are on one figure, the Nazarene. Commonly clad uncommonly focused. 
leaving Jericho and walking toward Jerusalem. He doesn't chatter. He doesn't pause. For he is on a journey. His final journey. Even the angels are silent. They know this is no ordinary walk. They know this is no ordinary week. For hinged on this week is the door of eternity. When a person knows that the end is near, only the important things surface. Impending death distills the vital. The trivial is bypassed. The unnecessary is overlooked. That which is vital remains. So if you would know Christ, ponder his final days. Jesus knew the end was near. He knew the finality of Friday. He read the last chapter before it was written and heard the final chorus before it was sung. As a result, the critical was filtered from the casual. Distilled truths taught. Deliberate deeds done. Each step calculated. Every act premeditated. Because Jesus knew the outcome. This is a messianic act, more accurately designed a royal entry than a triumphant, triumphal entry. Jesus deliberately presented himself as king, but not as a worldly political king. He employed no symbol of worldly power. He entered upon a lowly beast of burden, not upon a white horse like a victorious general. And when I consider the story of the first Palm Sunday, I am struck by the thought that a coat might not be worth much after a donkey walks on it. In a crowd like that, there was no guarantee that once you laid it down, you were ever going to get it back. For some reason, the text leads me to believe those people probably weren't real interested in coats at that moment when Jesus rode by. They had more important things on their mind. So material possessions weren't quite as important or necessary. No, these people, many of them probably very poor, weren't as concerned about coats as they were about praise. For the people on Palm Sunday, praising Jesus might cost them something. That sounds a bit like sacrifice. The Bible speaks of a sacrifice of praise. Fitting, isn't it, for someone who saved our lives by sacrificing his own? The crowds also cheered. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus comes in the name of the Lord. But what does it mean to come in the name of the Lord? How did he come then? And how does he come to us today? First, let's look at how he came then. That day, Jesus was the right kind of Savior. That day he was living up to expectations. The royal triumphal entry into Jerusalem near the time of the Passover feast was just ideal. The people wanted a Jew to ride into Jerusalem and overthrow Rome. The Passover recalled a time when God had delivered Israel from the bondage of Egypt. The great prophet Isaiah in chapter 44 reminded the Jews of a time when God delivered Israel from exile in Babylon. Now Jesus' kingly processional into Jerusalem rekindled hopes that God would deliver Israel from Roman occupation. But Jesus didn't accomplish this. 
And when Jesus didn't do it the way they expected, the cheers turned to jeers. Hosanna became crucify and blessing became cursing. The crowds thought that the side with the strength was the side with the stronger God. You know, people think that way, don't they? That's why bondage in Egypt, exile in Babylon, and occupation by Rome became theological crisis and test for these people. The ruling country, you see, in their mind, had the ruling God. We often fall into the same trap. Strength can be the devil's illusion. Consider the strength and the terrors and evil of Adolf Hitler in World War II. How he almost conquered all of Europe with the exception of Great Britain. But God certainly was not on his side. Because of the evil that was perpetuated on the people. In the Bible, God is revealed best not in strength, but in silence. For you remember the scene later in the week in Gethsemane. When Jesus fell on his knees and pleaded with the Father, If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Not once, but twice, and even three times the Son prayed from the depths of his being. If it is possible. How did the loving Father respond to his beloved Son with stony silence? No ministering angels. No voice from the blue. Stark silence. In dark Gethsemane, Jesus would have to lean on conviction, not display, on faith, not sight. He was teaching us how to walk as well, wasn't he? Walk in faith, not by sight. Set your path and follow the Lord. You see, that's the way it is with Jesus. And that's the way it must be with us. Be leery of those who are so glibly and confidently saying, God told me, God led me, God taught me. Have they been to Gethsemane? Have they seen Jesus' faith? God most often comes to us not in strength, but in silence. You remember the prophet in the Old Testament who was looking for God in the whirlwind and he wasn't there? Where did he find God? He found him in a still, small voice. Jesus understood that God's silence on that day meant that his will was in action. That the time had come. And even though it appeared to be a triumphal day, as the people laid their coats down and their palm branches down on the road in front of Jesus, Jesus knew what was to come in that week, and he was sorrowful. The crowds that day wanted God to come in power to overthrow Rome, but instead Jesus came in peace to teach them to live with Rome and each other. Jesus, as I said, did not ride a white steed in Jerusalem like a conquering military hero. Rather, he rode a donkey, a symbol of peace at that time. The Garden of Gethsemane shows the contrast of power and peace. Peter understood power, didn't he? When the arresting party came to cuff Jesus, Peter drew his sword and cut off a man's ear. But Jesus wouldn't tolerate that. 
Jesus came not to bear arms, but so to change us that we would beat our arms into plowshares. Where the Spirit of Christ is, there is the Spirit of peace. Where there is the Spirit of peace, there is the Spirit of Christ. In the upper room, when Jesus was speaking to His disciples in the 14th chapter of John, what does He say? Peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives peace. So don't be troubled. Look to Jesus for peace. But how does He come now? How can Jesus come into our midst this day? How can that Palm Sunday so many years ago inform and energize our living now? Palm Sunday means that we can experience the presence of God. The Bible is essentially the story of God coming to us. He came to us in a manger in Bethlehem and on a donkey in Jerusalem. He is Emmanuel, God with us. The angel announced the glad tidings of Christ's birth with the declaration, He shall be called Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. At the sight of Jesus that first Palm Sunday, the crowd spontaneously broke into shouts of exclamation, Hosanna, save now. To save is why He left heaven for Bethlehem. To save is why He left Bethany for Jerusalem. And to save is why He wants to come into your life and my life. Do you see the beauty of this? The Savior who was born in Bethlehem, in a lowly manger, was hailed as king on the day he entered Jerusalem. But both symbols show us that he had come to be our sacrificial king. The one who could take our sins away. Palm Sunday means that we can know the love and acceptance of God. In a fragmented, competitive world, we need to hear that word of wholeness and brotherhood of love. To live in times such as these, we need the security of knowing that our Creator loves us and takes great delight in us. As Redeemer, He has not given up on us, but still seeks us. As Consummator, He plans to bring us into His joy. You see, God loves you. God accepts you. Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem announcing the good news that God loves you. The first line of verse 5 in our text comes from Isaiah 62.11. A promise to the daughter of Zion, Jerusalem, that her salvation comes. Matthew sees the fulfillment of this in Jesus, the lowly king who thus entered Jerusalem. The crowd's greeting echoes Psalm 118, the last of the Hallel songs sung at the Passover. Hosanna meant save, we pray thee. It formerly was a prayer for help, but seems here to be a shout of praise. Both son of David and he who comes are messianic titles. The crowds also acclaim Jesus as a prophet, probably more than just a prophet. There was a Jewish expectation of a prophet like Moses, apparently messianic, and these people were ready. And yet, on that day, they still didn't understand the great price that would have to be paid so that they could overcome the world. But what are we really doing? 
when we joined this procession as part of the throng which went up with Jesus to Jerusalem and hailed him as king of Israel. Is this anything more than a ritual, a quaint custom? Does it have anything to do with the reality of our life and our world? To answer this, we must first be clear about what Jesus himself wished to do and actually did. Jesus set out as a pilgrim towards Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. He was journeying toward the temple in the holy city, towards Jerusalem. That place which for Israel ensured in a particular way God's closeness to his people. He was making his way towards the common feast of Passover. The memorial for Israel's liberation from Egypt and the sign of its hope of definitive liberation. And he knew that what awaited him was a new Passover. And that he himself would take the place of the sacrificial lambs by offering himself on the cross. He knew that in the mysterious gifts of bread and wine, he would give himself forever, everyone, to have the opportunity to be his. And that he would open to them the door to a new path of liberation. To fellowship. With the living God. He was making his way to the heights of God himself. To those heights he wanted to lift every human being. And so when we think of Palm Sunday. We must do so with an eye on Jesus. And the week ahead. And what was to take place. Two weeks ago now, when Janet and I were at the homestead, we took a hike with a guide. There were eight of us on the hike. They bust us down in a gorge so that we could climb back up. They have bridges and everything, so it's not as bad as it sounds. Had to climb back up, and as we climbed, we saw a 700-foot waterfall various ways down. And we came out at the end, at the beginning of the waterfall, and it was a spring and a golf course. And all this water came out of that spring. And as we were walking up, our guide would stop and point out, you know, signs of spring, and he would explain what this flower was and what this was and uh, how this worked together. And look at this tree that had been struck by lightning, and you could see where the lightning had come out of the tree, and Various things of interest like that. And about three quarters of the way up the climb, we smelled something. It was something dead. We didn't see it at first. But when we came to a certain part and looked off the bridge, we saw down in the water a dead raccoon. He'd been dead a while. I think he probably slipped on the waterfall, if you want to know the truth. Because it didn't look like any harm had come to him other than the fact that he was dead. And when I thought about that, I thought about this. Jesus knew that as he walked that way on that day, on his journey there was going to be a stench. 
And that stench was our sin. And he had to make his way to that cross through all of that life to die so that we could live. As we contemplate Holy Week, let us never forget that the journey today climaxes on a cross on Friday and a resurrection on Sunday. It's important for us to see this journey. And in many ways, it's important for us to walk this journey. You see, in all that beauty that we were seeing on that trip, walking up the falls, all that prettiness, if you will, there was something ugly there as well. And you know, when we look at the cross, the cross isn't pretty. But I would argue with you that the cross is indeed beautiful. For it redeems us and gives us hope if we only would receive. Walk with Jesus this week. Journey with Him. And He will show you the way. Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we are grateful for Your Word. We're grateful for this walk on that day, Father, with Jesus. May we too, Father, understand that indeed He came to save us. And in doing so, we have life. Thank you, Father, for His willingness to go and to fulfill your will. May we, Father, be willing to do the same thing. To follow you. And to seek your will. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our hymn of invitation is hymn number six, How Great Thou Art. What better song to sing as we contemplate the walk with Jesus on this week. What Jesus has done for us, no one else could do. Greater love has no man than that he would lay down his life for his friends. Do you love Jesus? Because he loves you and wants to save you. Come to him. As we stand and sing hymn number six.
thank you for being here this morning. I hope that you will return this evening at 6.30. And following that, we will have a tasting. So uh, if you would bring something salty or sweet, uh, it would be uh, appreciated so that we can share together. I know that the uh, uh, program has been worked on for a long time. And I know that you will be blessed if you come tonight to be a part of that. Remember the encounter services at 5 and then um, that will follow at 6.30. Let's bow for benediction. Eternal God, as we leave today, help us, Father, to walk with you. To walk with you on that journey to the cross. So that we might appreciate even more the sacrifice made for our sins. As we go on our way today, Father, help us to learn to love you more so that we can love one another more and bless one another and witness to one another as you have called us to do. Keep us ever mindful of your peace that passes all of our understanding. In the name of Jesus, amen.